0: Welcome to Soma Podcast, Episode Four. All right, so you know, yesterday we dove deep into the topic of uh, of epigenetics, right, and how that correlates to the 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 Sanatana uh, Dharma, the Vedic tradition uh, method and methodology of awakening your consciousness. And the value of awakening your consciousness. Actually, what we don't realize in this modern world is that the the best and only utility is awakening our consciousness. There's There's no other purpose that will give fulfillment in your inner world or outer world other than awakening your consciousness because your consciousness is the base of your physiology, psychology and external reality so learning to awaken your, awaken your consciousness, accessing your consciousness is the priority this is an absolute necessity So we come to understand we come to understand that in this process of awakening our consciousness we need to take responsibility we need to come back to our integrity i've been speaking a lot about integrity and integrity is a byproduct of coming back into self responsibility now Normally, integrity and responsibility are looked at as moral and ethical uh, values. But English can only English is a binary language, so English can only describe so much uh, spectrum. To be able to describe consciousness is outside of the typical laws of English. So, in English, you kind of have to stack. You have to stack layers and layers of meaning in order to get one good solid concept of consciousness. So again, if I had to define consciousness, I would define it as your capacity to live in complete fulfillment. Your capacity to have absolute fulfillment in your inner world and absolute success in your outer world. And there being no conflict between your inner world and your outer world. Normally, the mind, the nature of the mind, which is the block between our being being able to access our consciousness or not, the mind creates conflicts. The mind creates division. So we have this division. Well, either I'm going to focus on my internal world or I'm going to focus on my external world and be successful. And if we choose the external world, we tend to uh get lost in the myriad of um of acquiring things and and over luxuries and we fall into the depression of success and that's why you've seen that you know great celebrities and everyone who have attained uh the quote unquote outer success are they they don't have that fulfillment and then you have other other types of people almost like a religious people or self-development people that kind of don't care so much about the outer world and they do a lot of work on themselves they work on themselves and they're constantly uh, trying to improve themselves in some way shape or form and you know this kind of falls under the category of kind of like an antisocial, kind of hippie type of attitude and that is also not complete because th- those people f- they they attain something called the depression of failure they they attain this kind of like a peace but it's kind of like a graveyard peace it's kind of like the peace that you would experience in depression like this dullness and the reality is we're quantum beings we're designed to experience the fulfillment inner the inner fulfillment, something much greater than just, you know, the, the piece of acceptance, you know, and we're designed to experience dynamic um, expression of success in the outer world. And not just this agitated kind of uh, uh, chicken running without a head or, you know, the, the term, you know, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. So, you know, you neither want to get caught. And in Sanatana Dharma, there's three uh, qualities of being. In Sanskrit, it's called rajas, tamas, and sattva. And rajas is the quality of restlessness. It's the quality of uh, activity, activeness. And none of these qualities are necessarily good or bad. They're beyond the laws of binary logic. But they need to be understood for what they are. Tamas is kind of like an inertness, uh, depression, laziness, dullness, uh, and then you could say deep sleep also. And then you have sattva. sattva. and sattva is the state of complete harmony, the state of um, just clarity, right? So clarity and harmony. And we, when we're too much in acceptance of our inner world, we fall into tamas, we fall into absolute laziness. And when we stop caring about our outer world success, um, and this, this can, you know, you can understand this when, whenever, you know, weekend mood, right, you're just kind of lazy, you kind of don't care. And then you look at the Monday mood, and the Monday mood of, yeah, you have to go to work or school or whatever, you got to get things done, productivity, that's Rajas, right? So we normally oscillate in this binary way between Rajas and Tamas. We have not accessed, or society has not trained us to access the zone of Sattva. And Sattva is the quantum experience I'm talking about where you have the best of the inner world. You have the best, you have the the patience of this deep acceptance, but you're not just complete acceptance where you're just in this laziness. You have acceptance in your inner world, but you also have the capacity of change in your outer world. You can also be dynamic and create success in your health wealth relationships so you have inner world fulfillment and outer world success and there's no conflict between your inner world and your outer world and this is what the the sattvic state the sattvic quality can give us and unfortunately we're not trained school trained us primarily to be registic but then as a byproduct we crave thomas we crave to be lazy we crave to be tired. We crave to be bored. We, when we indulge too deeply in our senses, we dull them out, and then we just want to be in a withdrawn, half-asleep kind of state of being. And this is because there's an a, there's an innate hatred for action, because action is being forced on us. The rudge school is saying, okay, you constantly have to be successful, you know, and you need you need you need your cars, and you need you know, a lot of money in the bank account and things like that. So constantly we're, we're driven in that way. So because we're driven to be fully logistic, we're not uh, schooling and education and work and family. No one really supports you. No one really wants you to be lazy. They want you to be very productive. But naturally you burn out. Naturally you start resisting the, the activeness of the of the registic activeness Activeness, and you once you're once you're fed up with it, you crave to kind of go into that cozy nook. You crave to kind of just withdraw from life, and that's the Thomas. So by anything that goes up must come down. Anything that is stimulated must become dull. These are just some natural laws. And when we live in this binary existence of Rajas and Thomas, we create this conflict. In our our inner space and our outer space. We create... And some people are more tamastic. Some people are going to be more registic. Some people are going to be more leaning towards uh, dullness and depression. Some people are going to be more leaning towards hyperactivity. So everyone has a unique uh, makeup. Everyone has kind of unique setup within this Rajas and Tamas game. Uh, But ultimately both lead to... Either the depression of success, which is if you've given yourself to rajas naturally, you're constantly in out. You're constantly focused on outer world. You're constantly active. Naturally, you're gonna have the quote unquote material success. And then uh, the people that are tamasic, they're lazy, they're dull. They're naturally gonna feel this kind of pseudo contentment. They're very ha- happy with it. And this kind of the ability to just withdraw. Constantly and be overly sensual and constantly indulging in your senses to the point where you're kind of just dull down. You can kind of live in this, you know, very lazy state of being. But it kind of gives a kind of like a pseudo peace feeling. And this this binary exists, and some people are kind of half and half, right? They're they're either you know half their energies are are in Rajas at one point, and half the energies are in Tamas at another point. The key is to have the benefits of rajas and tamas without the side effects. It's the side effects which cause our demise. So the benefit of, Raj, the benefit of rajas is going to be action. Uh, but the side effect is going to be the, the restlessness, the irritation. The benefit of tamas is going to be the peace kind of the patience, so to speak. So the benefit of raja is going to be the passion. The benefit of tamas, the lazy, the, the inert state of being, is going to be uh, patience. Well, sattva brings the element of passion and patience coming together in a quantum way. So that's the sattvic state, and it is possible. The only reason why... You know, it's not, this isn't really understood in the modern world is not only is most human beings, most specimens, uh, either in this registic or tamastic state, uh, very few specimens have been studied. Very few specimens have been understood or analyzed or philosophies have not uh, been birthed from a sattvic being, from a sattvic state of being. And uh, Sanatana Dharma is uh, very clear. There's some great uh, literature like the Bhagavad Gita and Patanjali Yoga Sutra that goes the Upanishads. they, they goes into this. Uh, it, the, it understands the science of awakening your consciousness, which is awakening the sattvic state of being. So the whole game is basically, how can I have this inner world fulfillment and outer world success, and not have any conflict between my inner world and my outer world. This is kind of the whole game, and this is kind of what the sattvic state, the sattvic quality, when it expresses in our muscle memory and in our biomemory, what it can give us. It can give us this quantum experience of fulfillment, inner fulfillment, and outer success. And this dynamic Quantum existence is called bliss or ananda. So in, in Vedic tradition, they're, they're very clear. Happiness is different from joy. Joy is different from bliss. Bliss comes from the core of your consciousness, expressing through your being, through your emotions and through your intellect. Uh, joy is just the temporary experience of, the, of your senses coming in contact with the nature and pleasure is just the experience of your senses coming in contact with a particular object and joy and pleasure is temporary because the the nature of reality is non-permanent so time due to them due to its quality of constant movement over the length breadth depth of reality you, in the play of the five elements, basically time is in movement, so matters, We can't experience something permanently. So naturally, if you're experiencing joy, say you're eating a sweet you really like, and the first sweet will be really nice, but then after ten sweets, it's kind of nasty and repulsive, and you kind of want to. Uh, uh, you kind of feel sick. So pleasure and pain is binary and it's temporary. And it's not that you shouldn't experience certain pleasures or joys or whatever the point is to understand in your cognition level that pain and pleasure is temporary because of the nature of the impermanence of matter so when we look at bliss bliss is actually our natural existential state unfortunately due to our mind our conditioning the conflicts the rajas and tamas we stop. It's almost like a dam. We're stopping this natural expression of our consciousness, expressing through our mind, through our, I could say, our intellect, through our emotions coming from the core of our being. We stop this. So things like meditation, things like integrity, these these are methodologies of you basically stop you from stopping The inherent bliss of expressing through your being, emotions, and intellect. And this bliss can only be experienced when you've elevated your being into this sattvic state. And the thing is about the the sattvic state, which is very interesting if you look at brain and neuroscience, when your brain is in the highest possible coherence, this is talked about in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, When Patanjali talks about the samadhi state, sama means uh, vibrating with or in tune with, and adi means source. So when you get yourself into this space of being in tune or vibrating with source, your consciousness, your brain basically uh, is in peak alertness and at the same time complete restfulness. So your brain is experiencing both And this is called uh, highest possible coherence. Your brain gets into this highest possible coherence where you're literally in the peak of waking state as if you're an Olympic runner about to run a race. Same way you're in the peak of restfulness like a baby is in deep sleep at the same time. And this is exactly what I'm talking about this Rajas and Tamas has been transmuted, has been elevated into this sattvic state where this dynamic expression of passion and patience, acceptance and change, and inner world and outer world, that whole thing becomes into one quantum field. And in this quantum field, you're experiencing your maximum, your full potential. And most Most people see aging, being old is nothing but you accepting that you will not change who you are. Being old simply means I will exist uh, as I am. The minute you say I will will not change myself, you're basically limiting your uh, capacity to get in tune with your infinite possibilities. The most dangerous thing you can do is accept who you are, is kind of solidify an identity with who you are. Because reality is constantly in change. Every moment is new. So the minute you've, you have a fixed identity, you don't want to change. And the older you get, the harder it is to change. This is something that um, that... This is why sharing these sciences, giving kids... The, the capacity to um, stay in their natural state. Kids are already in this coherency. And it's very important to nourish that because, you know, the older you are, the more you're like a block of ice. So kind of, kind of like um, kids are like steam. Then you get into adolescence, teenager, whatever, and then you become kind of like liquid. And then by the time you're an adult, you're pretty much like a solid block of ice, and then once you're an elder, you're pretty much like a stone and uh yeah, so changing your changing your some scaric setup, some scars are your patterns your your engraved memories. these engraved memories is what keeps us in this binary state, this Regis and Thomas, this conflict between our inner world and our outer world. Loosening up those patterns almost becomes close to impossible when you get older. Now, it's not fully impossible if the willingness is there. If the willingness is there and the intention is there, anything is possible, of course. But unfortunately, the identific- the association with your patterns becomes way too strong when you get older. And so, like I said, it's possible. But it's not likely, and that's the great gift of death. Death is a great uh, system of renewal, and in Sanatana Dharma, it is very clear the concept of reincarnation is not even looked at as a hypothesis or a theory. It's looked at as a fact. Everything goes through an evolution of change, uh, creation, maintenance, destruction, rejuvenation. So the rejuvenation process. So death is actually a great thing if you're too old and you're stuck in your ways. Death is just a natural process to give you a see-all, delete, reboot. And when you're rebooted, there's a new chance that you can break some of your old patterns. And a lot of neuroscience, a lot of um, uh, epigenetics is really pointing at uh, how these engraved memories are stored in our biology and how these engraved memories are Hijacking our perception, decision making, and thought process, and basically putting us in like an autopilot, kind of like an unconscious existence. So essentially, you don't even have a free will until you break your patterns, until you at least get a glimpse and decide to let me experience my existence as it is and let me operate my future as I want and this process is what is called this is the awakening process the awakening your consciousness process all our patterns are essentially rooted in our past conditioning so the past sits on our present and repeats itself into the future so here we are we're always trying to you know we have all these desires but then we have latent in us deep in our core perception we feel the impossibility. And the impossibility is nothing but these past patterns, these past conditionings, just kind of sitting on our present and repeating itself. The pattern repeats itself to the future. So you have to break your patterns. And the problem is, and blind spots are the mechanisms which you start associating with uh, certain deeply cherished patterns and you call this the strength of my personality. And that's the most dangerous thing you can do. Uh, kids are very fluid. Notice how kids kind of, they don't have a set identity until, until the adults have fully conditioned them. Kids are kind of this free-flowing being that can kind of just fluidly adapt to whatever the circumstances. Uh, physical, <laughs> I, mean, I have a great question here. Physical death? uh emotional death or spiritual death um we go through uh well let's start with physical death physical death is a renewal process so see there's some traditions that believe in uh this is this is gonna this is gonna get a little this topic is gonna get a little funny but essentially. There, if you believe in resurrection, you experience resurrection. If you, ex, if you believe in, a, like, if you're atheistic and you, ex, if you believe that your existence is going to shut off after you die, you actually experience that. And if you believe in reincarnation, you experience that. And if you believe and understand liberation, you experience that. So basically, all possibilities are open. And this is because the divine and our will are in constant communication. So whatever you want, the divine life is almost like a mirror and it says yes. So if you say, I hate my job, I hate my boss. Well, you're going to get more of that. If you say, oh, I'm so ugly. I hate the way I look. I hate myself. Well, you're just going to get more of that. And this explains why. You know a lot of unfortunate situations happen to quote unquote morally good people because you may be morally good, but you may not have integrity, so having existential integrity means you know what you want and you align to it and naturally you're for life you're pro life and when you're pro life you're you're for expansion, and the principle of expansion is always nonviolent coexistent so physical death is actually. Yes, it's a renewal process. The being is going to experience physical death as per their perception, as per their good, as as per their cognitive setup. So if your cognitive setup is your cognition, your core perception is after death, I'm going to experience pure annihilation. Well, your will signs a contract with the cosmos and it manifests that. And there's a deeper science to that. And if I had to touch on it, basically there's 25 states of consciousness, deep sleep, dream, waking, superconscious, and cosmic consciousness. And those five overlap on each other. So if you think of a graph, five into five, 25 states. So if your cognition, this is why it's dangerous at your core to be atheistic. Unless you're actually theist, but you project to be an atheist that's different, but if in your core cognition you don't believe in a higher existence you don't believe in a in a in in an existence more than yourself, then what happens is or your limited self, I should say what happens is your your you basically get into the consciousness of like a rock, your will when it leaves the body basically goes into deep, like a coma, like a coma state. So deep sleep into deep sleep. Remember, there's 25 states of consciousness. The lowest state of consciousness is deep sleep. So if if your whole life you cherish the cognition of atheism, you don't believe in higher existence, you don't believe, you think after you die, you're just going to turn off. Well, you experience that. You get into the lowest state of consciousness. And in that lowest state of consciousness, you kind of exist like a rock, kind of like in a coma. And the time you're in that state of consciousness is based on the time you kind of, you want to, right? So when you leave the body, uh, you kind of, it's almost like a cat. When cats do this, when they close their eyes and the kids do that too. They close their eyes and they, they want to pretend like there's no one around them. So there's kind of like a pre-recorded capacity based on your cognition as to how long you want to be asleep, literally. So, same way, if you're raised in a society which believes in resurrection, well, there are dimensions of the cosmos, length, breadth, depth, time, and space, and the different permutation combinations of that. And as per Sanatana Dharma, there's multiple dimensions in our in our cosmos. Cosmology explains this. In these multiple dimensions, uh, you will get to literally resurrect and experience, and heaven is nothing but the planes of the planes of. You're still in matter. That's the thing. in In, in Vedic tradition, heaven, they're the satyalokas, so to speak. They're not the zones of liberation where you can still have an identity, but your being is liberated from matter. So, in those higher planes, your will, your your being, the time is different. Time dimension is different. So if you're ever with a friend and you're having a great time, time flies. But if you're bored, time is slow. So that gives you a sense that time is not solid chronological as we're taught. That's more of a utility value. So heaven is nothing but, um, basically, you have built nonviolent merit. Your existence was nonviolent. Because in the cosmos, according to Sanatana Dharma, Himsa is the the only source of all karma. So ahimsa, nonviolence, is linked to the principle of the cosmos, which is expansion. When the cosmos decided to expand itself, when the divine decided to expand itself into individual wills, it gave only one intention. Let us all coexist. So violence is the only quote-unquote cosmic law are the only karmic law. So if, you, if you've if you built up too many violent bio-memories, if, if you're too many violent experiences, you've caused suffering based on your violent actions. Remember, a lot of what I'm saying is this isn't very moral or this is not ethical. This is just, this can actually be proven scientifically if we had the capacity, which we will eventually but essentially, if you're violent, you build uh what you know, you build certain violent engrams and those that kind of gets solidified as the core of your perception. So if you are violent, you're already in hell, so to speak. If you're non-violent, you're already in heaven. So if you're a non-violent personality, by nature, life is pleasant, right? So if you're violent by nature. Or actually, no one's violent by nature. But if you're, if you're, if your quality is violence, then what happens is you're already in hell. You're ready to spew your anger and negativity on everyone and everything. Uh, so basically, uh, when you leave the body, if you have too many of those type of engrams, there's planes of of existence. Uh, the the they're called lokas in Vedic tradition. There's heavenly realms, and then there's Uh, Hellish realms, so that's just based on your your kind of karmic, or you could say your memory setup. So your bio memories, your different memories you've accumulated. Are they violent based, or are they non-violent based? But in and then there's the zones of liberation where your identity is freed from material existence. You're freed from length, breadth, depth, time, and space, and all the permutation combinations of length, breadth, depth, time, and space. So you're beyond the the 11 dimensions and 14 lokas as per Vedic tradition. So there you go into the zones of liberation. And in those zones, you still have an identity, uh, but you don't, you're don't. you not bound to return to material existence. So even if you go to a higher realm or a lower realm, you're only going to be there for a certain amount of time uh, till those memories uh, play out, kind of get digested and processed. Uh where it's still matter in that still a combination of length, breadth, depth, time, and space, but there's different permutation, combination, length, breadth, depth, time, and spaces uh, happening simultaneously and spontaneously. So I hope that wasn't too much, but yeah. So physics, I kind of gave an overview on death. That was a good question. An emotional death, you experience emotional deaths quite often uh, emotional deaths are kind of like when you have an attachment to something and that, that attachment is, is taken from you. At those times, you experience emotional death. And emotional death is a great opportunity to transcend. Or it could be your demise. So some people, if they built a strong attachment to a person or a situation or an idea or whatever, and that leaves or that goes through its process of destruction or tran- transformation, you experience an emotional death. And in that emotional death, you're always given an option to have a breakthrough or a breakdown. So that just depends usually on your prior uh, biomemory setup. So if your me- your cognition and your perception, and your decision-making is already attuned to handle, take emotional attachments and convert them into uh transformative ones like like say someone near and dear a near and dear one died or something um that you can harness that and have a breakthrough so that emotional death can be a rejuvenation for you or a destruction depends on how you handle that and a spiritual death happens when your identity uh, basically go through the genesis of identity in Christianity, they call it the dark night of the soul. Uh, And in, uh, in different traditions have different names for it. But it's basically when the core of your identity uh, gets just, you know, destroyed or rejuvenated, however you want to look at it. So our identity uh, is made up of different functions, how we view ourselves, how we project ourselves, how others view us, and how we view others. So when spiritual death doesn't happen to all types of people, spiritual death doesn't even happen to people who have a physical death. Because usually we have seven bodies. We have a physical body, we have a pranic body, a breathing body, we have a mental body, we have an emotional body, we have a causal body, we have a bliss body, and we have what's called the nirvanic body at the nirvanic body that's where the oneness between the divine and the individual will is like in in the nirvanic body everything is oneness the the other bodies are like layers so the more you get into like the physical body everyone's separate at the breathing body we're just a little closer if the air is polluted or whatever if the air is polluted, I wonder what what the collective is you know thinking about about right now. But if the air is polluted, we're all gonna have to share that. And then same way, if the if the mental layer is polluted, uh, different ideas is being circulated in in space. And if the emo the emotional layer is polluted, uh basically those are strong visualizations and like for example einstein had a visualization of the atomic bomb and look at how that kind of played out could be good could be bad depends on how you see it in the causal body that's kind of like the layer where all memories are kind of stored so in the average human being doesn't get, to have a spiritual death you need to break even the bliss layer the bliss layer is when you cross even the causal body And when you cross the causal body, you get into the bliss body. That's where all your deep, innate joy comes from. And then the nirvanic body is the bliss of existential oneness. Uh, You could say divinity. And uh, so to have a spiritual death, you even have to break the cosmic body. You have to have a glimpse of the nirvanic body. Uh, Most people never have a glimpse of even the bliss body uh, too too long enough to even penetrate, exist in the bliss body and have an experience in the nirvonic body. So most people, um, they have little glimpses of the bliss body or else you wouldn't be alive. Like if you didn't, if you're really craving a certain joy or a certain sweet or a certain type of experience, you'll notice like uh, when you have it, you kind of come to your center and the joy is actually coming from your inner space. It's coming from this bliss body. But unfortunately, we identify that joy with the object. So in that, in that false identification, we try to su- squeeze joy from the object, but the joy is actually coming from our inner space. And essentially, we don't go deep enough into the bliss body to penetrate and get access to the nirvanic body. So if your identity could penetrate into the bliss body, would most likely get overwhelmed pretty quickly unless you've learned to stabilize there. And then to get a, even a glimpse of the nirvanic body, that's a spiritual death. Uh, your identity is shattered completely um, because of the intensity of the frequency, the vibration or the source. It's actually, that's the source of all frequency and vibration. So to experience your source like that uh, would shatter your identity and that's what I would call a spiritual death. So I hope I was very elaborate on that question, I think I was. Death. Death is an amazing topic. And unfortunately in the modern world we're constantly taught to um kind of ignore death and kind of always put it under the carpet like oh, you know. But actually we want to celebrate death. If we can train ourselves to celebrate death and rejoice in the liberation of the being the but that being is liberated from whatever suffering it was going through and actually suicide is the most anti-life act because whatever state you whatever suffering is making you want to commit suicide that suffering is intensified by like thousands when you actually leave your body so yeah you don't you, suicide is the most anti-life. That's not what I'm talking about. So, and what I mean by like embracing death, and celebrating death means live living. So when you when you go into the depth of when you can see, the depth of death and celebrate it, that it what it is right. It's it's a, a possibility for new life. Then you actually live life fully. See, unfortunately. We live under the confines of time. And the dimension of time by nature keeps us in matter. And matter by nature is not permanent. So we start to cling to things that are impermanent. When we do that, there's an innate fear of death. And if one can break the time dimension and perceive Consciousness reflecting on space, what would happen is you would perceive how everything's impermanent from the beginning as a cognition, as a source of decision making. So the same way, it's okay to have a sweet and, and and derive the joy of that. The joy is actually coming from within, but the sweet is helping us center ourselves within to experience that joy. If we can just stay aware while experiencing that sweet, as an example and be centered on our being, what would happen is we would realize that that sweet is not giving me the joy. My being, my core is giving me the joy. It's actually the kundalini energy is coming and meeting. It's kind of like a gushing to that particular sense. So if you're listening to a music you really like, or you're seeing a visual you really like, or you're experiencing a touch somewhere you really like, The principle of addiction is nothing but thinking that that object is the source of the joy. No, you're free from addiction when you realize the source of the joy is coming from your being. And learning to access consciousness is learning to experience that intense, innate excitement, that bliss I was talking about in the beginning, which is different from joy. It's different from pleasure. And learning to be with yourself, your pure self. In when you are with your pure self, when you're free from your identities, when you're free from your senses, even just a glimpse, what you'll see is there's an intense excitement happening from within. That's your consciousness. And that's devotion. Devotion to the divine really means being able to center yourself on your own consciousness and Feel connected to that innate excitement, that intense excitement that's happening all the time. It's eternal. The nature of bliss is that it's eternal. The nature of joy. Joy is almost like the gap between suffering. So if you have a moment of suffering or pain, if you get a little time where there's no pain, we call that as joy. And bliss is much different than joy. In same way, joy is different than pleasure. Pleasure is just a stimulation of our senses coming in contact with an object. So we can move from pleasure to joy to bliss. And that whole process is this process of awakening our consciousness. Meditation is the art and science of tuning to our consciousness so that we can experience that innate consciousness. And integrity is the operating system. When integrity becomes your cognitive operating system, you innately live in fulfillment, inner world and outer world. I talked in the beginning about the gap that the average human being is going to experience this gap, inner world and outer world gap. It's going to experience this uh, conflict, constant conflict. It wants peace. It wants to rest in peace, but it also wants success. It wants to be lazy but it wants all the the success of the outer world, health, wealth, relationships, fulfillment of relationships. But that takes action. That takes activity. We want the best of both, but we don't want to take responsibility. But when we take responsibility and we integrate ourselves, see, when we integrate ourselves, our inner world, our outer world, our inner image and the way we perceive and think about ourselves our inner identity and our outer identity the way we project ourselves both get integrated and then you experience a quantum zone and i was saying earlier that you're breaking the rajas and tamas you're breaking the dual perception and the dual existence of laziness or agitation you're either in stimulation or you're in dullness you're either in depression or you're either or you're irritated so when you can break that binary existence, you experience the benefits of both without the side effects of either. You experience the intense patience of your inner world of acceptance, and you experience the passion of what the restlessness gives. And you experience them both at the same time. So the average human being is only going to express one or the other at different times but we can evolve ourselves to experience this quantum zone where we can experience both at the same time and how does integrity do this because in, in really integrity means not only integrating ourselves but the more practical way to look at it and how meditation plays into integrity they actually work together in a virtuous cycle is with integrity you know what commitments or what decisions you want to change how you want to impact how you want to use your energy and change the circumstance and what to accept so if there's an imbalance you're if there's an imbalance you're going to fall out of that quantum zone you're going to get into either dullness or you're going to get into agitation if you're changing too much if you're trying to change 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 things that you should be accepting then you're going to get agitated and you're going to feel restless you're going to feel burnt out And that's the depression of success. You get the success. You get everything you want in your outer world, but you're completely uh, void in the inner world. Or too much acceptance. You're just accepting, accepting, accepting the things you should be changing. And then you're going to get this peace, this kind of pseudo kind of contentment in the inner world. It's kind of that joy I was telling you. It's kind of like half-baked joy. You're going to get it in the inner world. But you're going to feel the depression of failure because you're just going to feel uh, that, you know, you, you're, there's something more and you're kind of just settling and you have nothing in the outer world. So in both senses, the depression of success and the depression of failure, when someone experiences that, that should be an indicator to wake up, to use your will, to awaken this quantum zone. So when we get into this, what I call the sattvic space, the clarity, the space. this is the space of integrity. And when you're in this space, you get that that binary existence breaks down. The multi-dimensional experience awakens. That oneness awakens. That quantum uh, non-conflict, uh, uh, non-conflict experience awakens. There's no conflict in your inner world, in your outer world. So practically, how does integrity work with that? When you give yourself a commitment, you either fulfill it. So you, you, you're you doing something, you're changing something, you want to do something, you change. Or you drop that commitment. And therefore, that's a form of acceptance. You're just accepting the way things are. So you either fulfill or you drop. And same way, when you give your commitments out to others, you either fulfill them or you drop them. So practically, uh, integrity is the methodology. Integrity just means being absolute, being absolutely to the core of your truth? What do you want? So when, when you're in the gray area, you're in the space of non-integrity, or I can say you're integrated to being dishonest. So there's the, you can look at it in both ways, because you can look at it from the angle of, oh, we're always integrated to something. We're either integrated to being honest, or we're integrating to being dishonest with ourselves. So when you're, or you can just use it more on a binary scale and just say, Uh, you're in the space of integrity, which means the space of absolute honesty. Or you're in the space of non-integrity, which is the space of non-honesty. And anything where you're non-honest is a gray zone. Anything where you're non-honest is a blind spot. So when you give a commitment to yourself, you're working with your inner world. When you give a commitment to others, you're working with the outer world. When you give a commitment with yourself, you're working on your inner space. When you give a commitment to others, you're working on your outer space. And we are designed to experience this quantum field. Like I said. Quantum. Meaning no conflict. No conflict between the inner world and outer world. And absolute success in the outer world. And absolute bliss in the inner world. And this is this is the true consciousness uh, manifesting through your body. Through your different bodies and layers. Your breathing. Your intellect. Your emotions. And this is this is our true potential we just simply have to will it it's a decision so the decision to be integrated awakens your consciousness and there's many methodologies the more you're integrated the more there's less conflict and chaos happening in your inner space and your outer space see if you give yourself a commitment and you don't honor it you're not going to will you trust yourself no um If you say every day, I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out, you never do it. But you didn't say you're not going to work out, right? You didn't close the commitment. That commitment's just kind of lingering like a gray area. You're not, that gray area is a zone where you don't trust yourself. Same way if you you constantly are telling um, somebody that you're going to pay them back for that money you bought. You're going to pay them back, you're going to pay them back and you never do it. And you're always, you say you're going to do it on a certain day and you didn't do it, you didn't do it. You're keeping them in a gray zone. Will they trust you? And the thing is, society trains us to be logistic, especially in the Western world, trains us to have this outer world success, usually. So, you know, you have to turn in your school assignments on time. You have to, uh, you know, be honest, almost like be honest, but we learn to be cunningly honest, where we follow the letter but not the spirit. And that's the best way to cheat a rule is you just do basically you half-ass whatever um, commitment you gave and you're not really doing If you don't bring sincerity to your honesty, if you don't bring authenticity to your integrity, you didn't really do it. You're not even integrated. So that's kind of what I call it. That's like a cunning type of honesty. And that's what the moralistic, ethical kind of social conditioning trains us. Yeah, we turn in our schoolwork, You know, yeah, we turn in our our work, but we're not, there's no joy into that. There's no bliss into that. There's no, you don't put your, see, you want to put your time, your energy, and your life into what you do. And integrity gives you that. If you're just giving your time, but you're not giving your creativity, you're not giving your life, you're not giving your energy into what you're doing, you're cheating yourself. Even if you're getting paid for something, you you're not enjoying. Time is not money. Time is life, right? And time is money is a utility. So, but you lose that context. You start thinking, okay, money becomes the point of life, and I'll just sacrifice my time for it. But you never get to awaken your energy. You never get to awaken your creativity, and you never get to put that into cycle. You never get to put your time and your energy and your creativity into one integrated route. And have that in a virtuous cycle where your own time, your own creativity, your own energy is ultimately coming back to you. And this is what's owning your life, taking responsibility for every aspect of your life, your health, your wealth, your relationships. When you put your time, your energy, and your life into your health, you can take yourself from the worst disease and be extremely healthy. You'll just know what to eat. You'll know how your lifestyle. You'll adjust everything. When you give away your responsibility and you just you just exist only you only give your time to your health, at best, you know, you know, you'll you'll be like clinically alive. It's like I'm not in a the hospital, therefore I'm healthy. But you're not really enjoying the juice of your health. And same way with your wealth. If you're just giving your time to make money, but you're not putting your creativity, you're not putting your life into it. Uh, you know, you're not even if you get resources. How can you enjoy your resources when you're not even enjoying what you're doing? And same way with your relationships. If you're not putting your time, your energy, and your creativity into relationships, you know, at best, you can kind of have a you can have a pseudo kind of you know uh, happy happy relationship if you just give your time. But if you give your creativity, you'll have something more. And if you give your full life into it, you'll have bliss. It, relationships will be a celebration of your own existence. Same way, wealth can be uh, an expression of creativity. You'll have your resources to express your creativity. And if you if you put your, your whole uh, life into it, it'll be a celebration. Your wealth will be a celebration. Your health will be a celebration. Your relationships will be a celebration. So you can... This is possible. It's just a matter of integrating yourself. So when you give yourself a commitment and you fulfill it, you experience a very deep satisfaction. And the more and more you do this, the more the conflicts inside start to go away, the more that urge to be completely in that dullness and that resistance, that hate, innate hatred we have towards activity starts to go away. We start to experience this quantum existence. We start to enjoy being intensely active, but at the same time being completely centered. See, when you're when you're too passionate, when you're too registic, when you're just outer world centric, what happens is you have no integrity with yourself, but you, have, you give your integrity to others. And this is kind of how society wants us to be. And the problem with that is you don't trust yourself. So then you, the consciousness can't really express through your being. So at best, you'll learn to have to, to, yeah, give your time to your health, to your wealth, to your relationships, but you'll never really be able to have fulfillment and celebration. And that's the curse, right? So yeah, that's the depression of success. Same way, if you have integrity with yourself, but you don't have integrity with others, it's real easy to get lazy. You can just say, well, I just accept myself 100% as I am, which is depressed, you know lazy no you know nothing just complete life negative withdrawal you say oh you know everyone's inner image is innately negative it's innate it's innately anti-life it's innately withdrawn it's innately lower than what we what we show to others so what happens is we just become very cunning and we become very lazy and if if there's no integrity to your outer image there's no impulse to expand there's no authenticity because others are working with our projection with our outer world our outer space our outer world is being is a force and others are the reflection life is a mirror cosmos is a mirror cosmos is a big blessing if you if you say i hate myself cosmos is going to say blessing how you treat the cosmos is how the cosmos treats you back everything's a mirror and I actually, yesterday I was finding the word for this, but it's called participatory universe. So it's a quantum physics theory that uh, we uh, we create the reality we want based on our perception. So this kind of, that's just, I wanted to throw that out there. Yesterday I couldn't find the word. But basically in our inner world, we if we just become fully life negative and we accept that 100%, we can have integrity with our inner world. Um, but if we don't have integrity with the outer world, in a quantum way, what'll happen is uh we'll have no we'll we'll have no impulse to expand we'll have no in- so we're really meant to expand both our inner world should follow the expansion happening via the outer world. Others should expect things from you others will expect things from you if they align to your core truths and values, you should fulfill them if they're even anywhere in the ballpark, you should fulfill them. And that'll expand your the way you the way you project yourself, but it'll also expand your inner confidence and the trust you have on yourself. So really, trust on yourself is a trust you have on, on existence. So people say, "Oh, I trust I trust God. God will take care of everything." But if you don't trust yourself, you really don't trust God. You're just kind of distracting yourselves, or you're kind of having some type of pseudo um, con, uh, a consolation and. Being complete, being fulfilled, is not be you know consoling yourself. Fulfillment, completion, is not contentment. It is not uh, consolation. It's something so much more than that. So yeah, I just want to wrap it up. I think we threw out a lot of really good ideas today. So we just to sum it up, we kind of talked about the inner world, outer world, and the nature of Rajas and Tamas and rajas being the the force of irritation, uh, and tamas being the force of dullness, and how integrity brings and integrates both, and we experience that quantum zone, that sattvic zone, where the consciousness, the bliss of our being, the fulfillment can express within, and the success, intense dynamic success can express without, and we can explode into that quantum field of infinite possibilities, of bliss, of, of, uh, of true divine unconditional love and of existential oneness and unity with the divine and the individual. So this is our, this, this is kind of the topic and we went into a really nice little segment on the nature of death and the multi-dimensions and the cosmology behind that. So that was really cool. So yeah, let's, uh, I, ho- I, I wish you guys an extremely blissful day. Um, so happy that there was a, that we got to uncover these amazing topics and I hope you guys really uh, got something from this and uh, yeah, let's bring integrity let's 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 bring um, bliss and let's connect to ourselves let's enrich ourselves and others and let's just have the most blissful day ever. So thank you guys. thank you guys be blissful.